Chapter 10 Cautions Now I will give some necessary cautions. Though I say we should be content in every state and condition, there are three states in which we must not be content. One, we must not be content in our natural state. Here we must learn not to be content. A sinner in his pure natural state is under the wrath of God. John 3:36. Should he be content when that dreadful vial is going to be poured out? Revelation 16. Is it nothing to be under the scorching of divine fury? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Isaiah 33:14. A sinner, as a sinner, is under the power of Satan. Acts 26:18. Should he in that state be content? Who would be content to stay in the enemy's quarters? While we sleep in the lap of sin, the devil does to us as the Philistines did to Samson, cuts out the lock of our strength and puts out our eyes. Judges 16. Do not be content, O sinner, in this state. Should a person be content to be in debt, body and soul, to be in fear every hour that he will be arrested and carried prisoner to hell? Here I preach against contentment. Get out of this condition. I would hurry you out of it as the angel hastened Lot out of Sodom. Genesis 19:15. There is the smell of fire and brimstone on you. The longer someone stays in his sin, the more sin strengthens. It is hard to get out of sin when the heart as a garrison is stocked and fortified. A young plant is easily removed, but once the tree is rooted, you cannot move it. You who are rooted in your pride, unbelief, and unrepentance, it will cost you many sad pulls before you are plucked out of your natural state. Jeremiah 6.16 It's a hard thing to have a brazen face and a broken heart. He travaileth with iniquity. Psalm 7.14 Be assured, the longer you travail with your sins, the more and the sharper pangs you must expect in the new birth. Do not be content with your natural state. David asked, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Psalm 43.5 But a sinner should say to himself, Why are you not alarmed, O my soul? Why is it that you are so moved by afflictions, but are not so moved by your sin? It's a mercy when we are alarmed about sin. You are better off to have the trouble of having a bone set than to be lame and in pain all your life. Blessed is the trouble that brings the soul to Christ. It is one of the worst sights to see a bad conscience quiet. Of the two, a fever is better than lethargy. I am surprised when I see a person content in his natural state. What? Content to go to hell? 2. Regarding externals, we should in every state be content, but we must not be content in a condition in which God is dishonored. If you have a vigorous trade, but must trespass on a command and so make a trade of sin, you must not content yourself in such a condition. God never called anyone to a sinful calling. A person in this case had better stop what he's doing and turn to something else. It's better to lose some of his gain so he may lessen some of his guilt. It's the same for servants who live in a profane family in the suburbs of hell where the name of God is not called on unless it is taken in vain. You're not to content yourselves in such a place. 
Come out of the tents of these sinners. There is a double danger in living among the profane. The first danger is that we begin to be infected with the poison of their ill example. Joseph, living in Pharaoh's court, had learned to swear by the life of Pharaoh. Genesis 42:15. We are prone to suck in examples. We take in deeper impressions by the eye than by the ear. The rich man in the parable set a bad pattern. He had many brothers who, seeing him sin, walked in his steps. So he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Luke 16.27-28 The rich man knew which way they went. It's easy to catch a disease from another, but not health. The bad will sooner corrupt the good, and the good will convert the bad. Take an equal quantity and proportion of sweet wine with sour vinegar. The vinegar will sooner sour the wine than the wine will sweeten the vinegar. Sin is compared to the plague, 1 Kings 8.37, and to leaven, 1 Corinthians 5.7, to show what a spreading nature it has. A bad master makes a bad servant. Jacob's cattle by looking on the rods that were speckled and striped, conceived the same kind as the rods. Genesis 30, 30-41 We do as we see others do before us, especially those who are above us. If the head is sick, the other parts of the body are disordered. If the sun shines not on the mountains, neither will it shine in the valleys. We pray, Lead us not into temptation. Matthew 6, 13 Lot was the world's miracle who kept himself fresh in Sodom's salt water, but that was an exception. The second danger in living in an evil family is that we are liable to incur their punishment. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not on thy name. Jeremiah 10.25 Because they had not poured out prayer, God was ready to pour out His wrath. It's dangerous living in the tents of Kedar, Psalm 125. When God sends His flying scroll, written within and without with curses, it enters into the house of the thief and the perjurer, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof, Zechariah 5, 4. Is it not a sad consequence to live in a profane, perjured family when the sin of the owner pulls his house down around him? If the stones and timber are destroyed, how will the servant escape? Even if God does not send a physical roll of curses on the family, there is a spiritual roll, and that's worse. Proverbs 3.33 Do not be content to live where religion dies. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphas, and the church which is in his house. Colossians 4.15 The house of the godly is a little church. The house of the wicked, a little hell. Proverbs 7:27. Oh, integrate yourselves into a religious family. The house of a good man is perfumed with a blessing. Proverbs 3:33. When the holy oil of grace is poured on the head, the savor of this ointment sweetly diffuses itself, and the virtue of it runs down on the skirts of the family. Faithful examples are very magnetic and unavoidable. Seneca said to his sister, Though I leave you not wealth, I leave you a good example. 
Let us ingraft ourselves among the saints. By being often among the spices, we begin to smell like them. And three, the third caution, though in every condition we must be content, is that we are not to content ourselves with a little grace. Grace is the best blessing. Though we should be content with having just an adequate estate, we should not be content with just an adequate grace. Christ ascended to heaven so that He could send gifts, and the purpose of those gifts was so that we may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Ephesians 4.15 The Apostle distinguishes between our being in Christ and our growing in Him, our being made gracious and our flourishing in that grace. Do not be content with a modicum in religion. It's not enough that there is life. There must also be fruit. Barrenness in the law was counted a curse. The farther we are from the fruit, the nearer we are to being cursed. Hebrews 6, 8 It is sad when people are fruitful only in the unfruitful works of darkness. Do not be content with a sip or two of grace. Next to a stillborn, a starving person in Christ is worse. Oh, covet more grace! Never think you have enough. We are told to covet the best things. Covet earnestly the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.31 It is a heavenly ambition to desire to be high in God's favor, a blessed contentment when the only strife is who will be most holy. Paul, though he was content with just a little of the world, was not content with a little grace. Reaching forth unto those things which are before, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.13-14 A true Christian is a wonder. He is the most contented, yet the least satisfied. He is content with a morsel of bread and a little water in the bottle, but never satisfied with grace. He pants and breathes for more. This is his prayer. Lord, give me more conformity to Christ and more communion with Christ. He wants to have Christ's image more vividly pictured on his soul. True grace is always progressive. Regarding their light, the saints are called lamps and stars, and trees of righteousness regarding their growth. Isaiah 61, 3. They are indeed like the tree of life, producing several kinds of fruit. A true Christian grows in beauty. Grace is the best complexion of the soul. It is at first planting, like Rachel, fair to look on, but the more it lives, the more it sends out its rays of beauty. Abraham's faith was at first beautiful, but later it shined in its bright colors and grew so illustrious that God Himself was in love with it and made Abraham's faith a pattern for all believers. A true Christian grows in sweetness. A poisonous weed may grow as much as the mint or rosemary, the poppy in the field as much as the corn, and the crab apple as much as a dessert apple. But the one has a harsh, sour taste, and the other mellows as it grows. A hypocrite may grow in outward dimensions as much as a child of God. He may pray as much, profess as much faith, but he grows only in size. He produces only sour grapes. His duties are imbued with pride. The other ripens as he grows. He grows in love, humility, and faith. These mellow and sweeten his duties, and make them more pleasant. 
The believer grows as the flower grows. He gives off a fragrance and perfume. A true Christian grows in strength. He grows even more rooted and settled. The more a tree grows, the more it spreads its roots in the earth. A Christian, a plant of the heavenly Jerusalem, grows the same way. The longer he grows, the more he incorporates into Christ and draws spiritual juice and sap from him. Regarding humility, he is a dwarf, but a giant in regard to strength. He is strong to do duties, to bear burdens, and to resist temptations. A Christian grows in the practice of his grace. Not only does he have oil in his lamp, but his lamp is also burning and shining. Grace is agile and dexterous. Christ's vine flourishes. Song of Solomon 6.11 This is why we read of a lively hope, 1 Peter 1.3, and a fervent love, 1 Peter 1.22. Here is the activity of grace. Indeed, sometimes grace is a sleepy habit of the soul, like sap in the vine, not exerting its vigor. This may be occasioned through spiritual sloth or by reason of falling into some sin, but this is only for a while. The spring of grace will come, the flowers will appear, and the fig tree will put forth her green figs. Song of Solomon 2, 12-13 The fresh gales of the Spirit sweetly revive and encourage grace. The church of Christ, whose heart was a garden, and her grace's precious spices, prays for the heavenly breathings of the Spirit, so that her sacred spices might flow out. Song of Solomon 4.16 A true Christian grows both in the kind and in the degree of grace. He adds to his spiritual living. He adds to faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and so on. 2 Peter 1, 5-6. Here is grace growing in its kind. And he goes from faith to faith. Romans 1, 17. Grace is also to grow in degree. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. It increases over and above. The Apostle speaks of those spiritual plants that were loaded with the fruit of the gospel. Philippians 1, 11. A Christian is compared to the vine, an emblem of fruitfulness. He must bear full clusters. We are told to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. 1 Thessalonians 3, 10. A Christian must never be so old as to be past bearing fruit. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Psalm 92, 14. A heaven-born plant is always growing. He never thinks he has grown enough. He is not content unless he adds every day to his spiritual stature. We must not be content with just enough grace to keep life and soul together. A sip or two will not suffice. We must still be increasing with the increase of God. Colossians 2, 19. We need to renew our strength as the eagle. Isaiah 40:31. Our sins are renewed, our needs are renewed, our temptations are renewed. Should our strength not be renewed? Oh, do not be content with the first embryo of grace, grace in its infancy and youth. You look for degrees of glory, so be Christians of degrees. 
Though a believer should be content with a small estate, he should not be content with a small amount in religion. A Christian of the right breed labors to excel and come nearer to the holiness in God, who is the original, the pattern, and the prototype of all holiness.